Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Morality of Everyday Things. This is the second intro. We, we recorded this all at the same time. It was the second intro in the row. Please do leave a review if you enjoy the show on the podcast player of your choice. The Morality of Everyday Things is a podcast about everyday philosophy. Interesting thought. I listen to my podcast at 1.5 times speed, but I also note that I talk quite quickly. So when people listen to me at 1.5 times speed, am I ridiculously fast? <laughs> am I ridiculously fast? <laughs> <laughs> I quite like 1.2. I find mm. 1.2 cuts the pauses just enough that you can... yeah. Mm get through things at a good pace okay but anyway guys welcome back to part two in part one which if you haven't listened to it go check that out first because this is a sort of continuous um uh, yeah. episode part one we looked at the themes around should you believe in god like reasons to believe in god mm-hmm. uh, we looked at some really interesting examples there was the ontological argument there was pascal's wager then on the flip side we looked at the problem of evil, the problem of evil. we also talked about faith versus reason and anthropological explanations uh for god as well so covered yeah. a lot of ground there Okay, so that was that was really a lot of engaging in the kind of classic, like, does God exist questions. But now I think it, it's nice because we can start to engage with the good and bad of religion arguments, which is really more a question that's beside whether God exists, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's basically saying whether God is real or not, does belief in God and the existence of religious establishments actually benefit society or hurt society? So this is engaging really with what we intended with the overall question. So the overall question is, mm-hmm. is God good? It's really more, is the concept of God good? In fact, maybe we'll put it in the title is quote unquote quote, God good, because we're not talking about the objective reality of, of God. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about the conception of God. That's true. That's true. Because um, this is really the question of the place that religion has in the real world and whether it's overall good or bad for society, by which we mean, does religion encourage us to do in society things that make it either better or worse? Mm-hmm. So what seems important to clarify, and you kind of have already, this is, yeah, just to reiterate, it's not about the good and bad of, of real God, but religion as a, as a social activity. There's a tenuous relationship between those two. You know, there are people who act badly in the name of God and others denouncing those people on the grounds that this is not genuinely indicative of the true nature of religion so there's definitely like kind of an overlap between religion as a concept and god as a, an objective or real belief because part of that hinges on how you determine what is true quote, mm-hmm. understanding of religion i mean obviously if your sole understanding of religion is some made-up texts with some made-up rules then there is no <laughs> true understand well the, the truest understanding of the rules would be literally as written mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. whereas if god is like a real thing the truest understanding would be yes he wrote those things but this is what he meant yeah <laughs> And all of that is to say, uh, belief in God, uh, as you put already, isn't the only element to consider in this in this good or bad of religion too. Religious teachings differ, and those produce different interpretations. Like you were just saying, there's a lot to uh, a lot to sort of uh, have as have as the sort of premise, basically, yep. when we're discussing this. Yeah. So I think in this argument, there's two very common lines of thought in terms of you know what is the place of religion in society. Certainly, it's intersection with morality. Mm-hmm. So the first is that not only a helpful but necessary element of of uh, modern morality. At the very least, it provides decent codes of morality. Think of God's commandments in the case of the uh, religious uh, Christianic tradition. Uh, It teaches us certain societal values and so on. And so is good insofar as we seem to kind of need it. Mm. Uh, It's argued that the secular isn't as good as the sacred at doing this and providing us with these elements, which are argued to be inherently religious. This is true. I mean, we have we have laws, we have like mm. social laws, and, and to some extent, they guide us morally, but we don't, there's not, yeah, there isn't as unified a sort of code of morality in secular society, unless you sort of adopt like humanist traditions yes. or stuff like that. I mean, I find that interesting, right? We'll come to this very quickly. We'll discuss this before we move on to like certain perspectives. But the other side of the coin is the, the ways that religion has been used to justify terrible acts, mm. right? Uh, such as terrorist attacks, homophobia, transphobia, racism, colonialization. Overwhelmingly, uh, this would mean that religion would occupy a negative moral realm in society. So since the bad aspects would outweigh the good, right? Yeah. yeah. So 
on the one hand, we're saying religion gives us a moral code. On the other hand, we're saying that yeah. moral code can be used to do really horrible yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Basically, we wrote a bunch of ancient texts and some people seem to take them a bit too literally. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I want to make one argument really first, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is actually something that Stephen Fry has said, which I find quite interesting. It's kind of similar to faith mm-hmm. in that like there's a difference. We talked in the last episode about faith versus, you know, just going through the motions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think there's one, there's one argument where like, for example, Stephen Fry said, um, you know, religious people would say like, oh, you know, people who don't believe in religious morals, like oh, with a, you know, without religious morals, you'd be out raping all the time, pillaging all the time. And, and he kind of makes a point like, no, it's, it's not a fear of God that, uh, first of all, for religious people, you know, part of the reason they follow this moral code is because they have a fear of God, fear of punishment. It's the, it's the incentives of heaven yeah. and hell, right? Yeah. He's saying like, one, that's actually not moral. If that's the thing stopping you doing bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And two, like those incentives aren't what stops him from, <laughs> from not raping and pillaging. He doesn't want to rape and pillage, yeah. which actually is like, it's interesting because I can, I can kind of vibe with that. Like, oh, strongly. Yeah. When, I, when I think about, so for example, one of my life rules, uh, and I learned this the hard way by working with someone who, who lacked integrity. Uh, Jake, Jake will remember. Uh, <laughs> I do, I do. It's yeah. not me, by the way. Yeah. yeah, I won't even bother making jokes. Like, oh, Jake. One of the things I kind of, because I, I, I have encountered people before whose conception of morality seems to be the rules, mm. right? Rather than some deeper understanding of being kind to people. Yeah, and, and respecting not wanting, other people as human. Yeah, and human not wanting dignity. to harm them, right? And generally, those are people that you don't want to interact with, with in life. You want to interact with people who are high integrity because as any good tax accountant will tell you, there are always <laughs> loopholes in the rules, right? <laughs> and you don't want to encounter a loophole with someone who isn't high integrity. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most terrible and tedious situations to go through in your life. Um, so it kind of speaks to that kind of, if the only thing stopping you is incentives, you're not actually a good person. Yeah, I think that's true. And it, it, I mean, we've, we've talked about that in loads of previous episodes around what it is to be good, but it definitely feels more mm, more, mm. more significant, more profound, more more relevant to say you're, yep. you're, you're doing good things almost for the sake of it yep. rather than because yep. someone is pressuring you to. Yes, but that's on an individual level talking about like high level morality. Mm-hmm. I think another strand that I just want to touch on is like, and this relates to a couple of things. So Marx and Nietzsche. Right, Marx described religion as the opiate of the masses. Right, it's a lovely quote. It is, uh, and his basic point is that like they tell the poor, you know, the meat shall inherit the earth, and they won't revolt. Mm. Tell them this is the only life you have. There is no heaven. You're not rewarded for being poor and meek. They shall revolt. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, on the one hand, you know that creates a huge moral thing where it's like, okay, actually, what if religion is actually a tool of political control? Mm. Right. On the one hand, stability, you know, that's actually arguably a good thing. On the other hand, makes people placid and stops them from pursuing mm-hmm. potentially a better outcome. But then you see the outcome of communism and you say, maybe, <laughs> maybe being like, maybe being on the opiates isn't so bad, right? Mm. And then the next thing, just kind of related to that, because one is like, a, one's an argument of political stability. The other one is, okay, you know, say there is some benevolent political ruler, mm-hmm. right? And again, this actually is in Brothers Karamazov. This is quite interesting. I'll explain the analogy, but... I'll start with Nietzsche, and this relates to his thing. Okay, Nietzsche says God is dead. A lot of people think that Nietzsche is like a defiant atheist making that statement. <laughs> it's like God is dead, and we have killed him. I think, yes, yes. Full quote, right? But I think people don't understand that it, it's more of a lament mm-hmm. than a than a celebration. Nietzsche sees God as a useful 
philosophical or, or moral or, or emotional concept that we have. He, as, he's as almost taking the anthropological approach yes, there, right? He, he's saying, he, he's, he's saying, saying we've evolved God as something useful. But yeah. Now to deal we've with, outgrown it. Yeah. To do to deal with emotional problems that we have, and mm. because of the enlightenment, we've now reached a point where it's a tool that isn't fit for purpose anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a large part of the reason a lot of people feel lost, right? Yeah. So then, okay, let's say as a political tool, let's say you're a benevolent religious political leader. Mm -hmm. You're like, you know what? I know this isn't true, but it gives people comfort because yeah. this is to counter Marx. You know, it's not that I'm stopping these people having a revolt. It's that it's impossible for everyone to have a great life. Yeah. So maybe it's the same way that like, you know, you could go to a hospital where people are ill and tell them, uh, or go to someone whose family has died and tell them they've gone to a better place. Like, yeah. You know what? Maybe believing that, even if it's not true, is better. It's kindness and comfort, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a lot like if you've read Brave New World, they, yeah. um, they use Soma, which is just a drug that like yep. makes people happy, gives them like enjoyable hallucinations. And it's, yes. it's just treating religion the same way. It's yep. saying, I mean, that's just a very yeah, yeah. <laughs> like literal opiate kind of the masses. Of metaphor. Literally opiate but, of the masses. Yeah. It's relating back to Marx. But yeah. So I'll give you the analogy. In the same conversation in the Brothers Karamazov between the intellectual and the... Um, and yeah, the, and we the, talked about this in part one, by the oh, way. Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah. Anyway, very famous uh, political, and, and it very much, Nietzsche cites this book as highly influential to him, so it's no coincidence that this relates with the God is dead concept, mm -hmm. right? He gives the story of a world in which Jesus comes back, mm -hmm. right? And the religious establishment captures him and tortures him, right? And basically, it's a conversation between the head of the church and Jesus, and basically making this, this kind of argument of like, you know, you say that you've given people this this you know freedom or whatever actually what you've done is you've burdened them mm. and we are doing everything we can to try and give them this <laughs> comfort and you coming back is not helping that <laughs> and they're like why have get you... out of it jesus yeah. it's, it's like you have already punished us by you know you say you absolve us of our sins but that means that we're responsible for our sins or, or something along those lines sorry it's been a while since i read it but the main point is basically the religious establishment is like we are trying to like comfort people, make it easy for people, and you are making it difficult, mm. right? So it's almost this conception, like, even if this is real, actually, the lie is more comfortable. Mm -hmm. it, it is more beneficial. The liar is better for society. Yeah. yeah. So that's really, that. like, when we were talking about, is God a good concept? I feel like these are the kind of strands of argument we were really thinking about. Like, mm. is it a tool to sedate people and stop them from fighting what they should have? Mm -hmm. Or is it actually, you know what, maybe life sucks and maybe sedation is a good thing. And then it kind of also comes to that third argument, which is like Aristotle, unhappy, pig. Pig, happy. Yeah. Right? Is it better to be sedated and happy or to know the truth of your circumstance and suffer but but know the truth. I was literally just thinking that. And I mean, we'll talk about Dawkins in a second, but he he has something there. Because I think in, in his argument with one of the like big religious figures in Oxford, the guy is saying, you know, religion makes people happy. Dawkins is like, do you know what? I'd rather revolt and be free and stand on the edge of the cold sort of unfeeling world, but know that I am like, you know, know that I am I am human and I'm, mm. I'm free than just be this like comfortable, sedated, like, you know, <sighs> religious yeah. follower. Weirdly, I don't know if I agree. <laughs> it sounds cold <laughs> yeah it's uh, it, it, it honestly sounds like the curse of intellectualism doesn't it like yeah sometimes you do think god it would be better to be dumb and happy because ultimately <laughs> if nothing has great, things are smart I, know. Well, yeah, I mean <laughs> if nothing if nothing has deep inherent meaning the only meaning you have is what you find being the kind of person who finds meaning more easily <laughs> yeah is it would actually be really beneficial to enjoying life <laughs> but then there's beauty in creating your own meaning i suppose right I think yeah but he says that those people are it's not that those people aren't creating their own meaning it's just that it's simpler it's or... simpler i don't mean that in a patronizing way it because it, it, actually like i've come to a different conclusion that doesn't mean mine is right and theirs is wrong there's no you know yeah. it's, it's purely premises that we have different certainly i think if you could tell people flip a switch and you'll be happy deeply happy but religious 
it'd be tempting to flip that switch. It's it's very much like the blue red pill in the matrix, isn't it? Yes, yes, exactly. And exactly. for anyone who hasn't exactly. seen that, but who are you if you haven't? Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't even think it needs to be explained. Like, yeah, cool. It's the choice between staying in the matrix or going out of the matrix and knowing the awful truth of like life outside the matrix. Exactly. It's very tempting to stay in the matrix. Well, one of the characters does make that choice and then sort of betrays everyone to get back there because he's like, it's it's too painful to sort of face the awful reality okay. let's yeah let's switch tax we've got some other notes to talk about here but that's that's a big theme and it's interesting we've got a guy called alan de botton many listeners school may life. be familiar with him yep he's the guy behind the school of life and he wrote a book and did a talk and, and has talked about like the good aspects of uh, religion in society and it's interesting he takes quite a practical approach because i mean he's not religious but he says religion teaches us to be polite honor one another to be faithful and sober putting forward the former that religion is good for morality and therefore good for society. And mm-hmm. essentially, this requires him taking Christ out of Christian. He values the impacts and the role that religion can play, but dismisses all of the, quote, supernatural elements of religion, mm-hmm. unquote, and therefore faith-related stuff. Religion can remain to have a use for those who don't believe, instead functioning as a kind of instruction manual for how society should go. Interesting. And so this is this kind of the argument somewhere along the lines of like, it's a political tool, and it's much easier to just tell people this stuff and say like oh you know heaven and hell incentives wagging finger than it is to try and reason with everyone to be reasonable somewhat but it's it's less about the sort of sedation aspect and more about hey oh no that, that, that was positives right that wasn't that wasn't sedation mm. I'm, I'm not saying is it sedation i don't know I'm saying it's easier to get people to to mm. do the uh, let me give you an analogy right let me think of an analogy well I, I don't think he's saying we even need people to do the right things for the wrong reasons he's, he's not even sort of talking about it right, on that yeah, level. But, he's which i think is where you're going yes that's what i'm going he's saying hey, there's some good bits about religion. And I mean, in, in his book, he talks about like, you know, repetition is a really useful learning tool and religions nailed that with like repeated mm. prayers and worship and songs and ways of getting people to learn and entrench different values. And I think he, he makes the point that religions are generally really clear on their values in ways that in secular society we aren't. Uh, um, and there's this sort of power in basically like- Clarity. Really, yeah, it, it being, ah, being super sort of like- It's funny because you say that, but then on the other hand, some of the major issues of religion- abortion mm. uh, treatment of gay people actually yes, there's exactly. a lot of there's a lot of argument within the religious community well and, and that's a, that's a good thing and i mean I, those are those are arguments that have sort of come about in in sort of more recent times i mean i say recent in the scale of like centuries rather than <laughs> rather than years but like i think that's good i think that tension is a good thing that like religious communities are recognizing because you're right i mean they're values that are repeated over and over again but actually are now being subject to change because people are uh, becoming more liberal i suppose but then doesn't that undermine the exact point that like it's it's fixed it's repeated etc if it's actually a thing that's ever changing because all then it's also just hmm. i guess not saying like being slow... unchanging is necessarily no you're right because it, it yeah. responds slowly to the outside pressure at least yeah. so it is like a kind of check and balance well and, and a, a value that we both hold is actually like the power of being open-minded and being able to change your views which isn't necessarily something religions have yeah. but uh, his point is that it's really it's a powerful thing to like be quite clear about your value system because uh, like in our lives there's never really a point where we get together and we say hey we should be like you know i mean i guess there's this podcast but that's been mm-hmm. more intellectual <laughs> but there's really a point where we sit down and say hey these are the things we value and we should like you know uh, like repeat after me like hmm. be good <laughs> i am unique uh, yeah. special butterfly. um okay um, yeah. Okay, so that's I guess that's a way of reconciling the value that religion might has have as a moral or political tool with an atheistic point of view because it yeah. doesn't necessitate genuine belief. It just necessitates following religious rules. But I think 
interesting, and I, I certainly think a religious person would feel this, that they'd find it quite a patronizing view. Mm. Um, quote from the Guardian, from a Guardian article in 2012, it's criticized of, quote, hijacking other people's beliefs, emptying them of their actual content, <laughs> and redeploying them in the name of moral order. I love that quote. Which, which is an excellent quote, because that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, the cynic in me does feel the kind of like, does feel like he's basically describing, it's a convenient way of getting people to do the right thing for the wrong reasons, which I think is pretty much what he's arguing. I yeah, I think. A I weaker, mean, it doesn't mean it's wrong. I think a weaker take on his view is probably where I fall down, which is that you can look at religion, you can say, hey, there are some societal goods, and to be honest, we should take those things and and, and sort of reapply them. Hey, and like on a much softer level, less moral religion has some great cultural aspects. I mean, you look yep. at like yeah, yeah. what it's done for architecture, music, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But okay. I think you can't really give those as much moral yep. weight. My, my overall perspective on religion, talking about this is that what he's describing is basically probably what some political leaders felt two or 3,000 years ago. <laughs> uh, and so they set up religions, but they underestimated how, how rigid people would be in those beliefs. How addictive. Uh, and, and then certain things, which were either arbitrary or you know relics of the time, end up becoming embedded and that's how we start having these issues where like it says stuff like you can't have gay people or like mm. some some of the stuff is kind of arbitrary like okay mm. let's be real like okay, say you're a political leader and there's been some issue with the pork like people people seem to be getting ill and you're like mm. uh, don't eat pork and people are like why and it's like god says so <laughs> um, and then now it's not really relevant but now you have people where it's like oh i can't even touch pork mm. uh for religious reasons when actually you know as a uh, from an atheist or humanistic perspective it's like well i mean it it know, almost definitely evolved you, as a sort of early form of health and safety yeah exa exactly <laughs> like this is this is uh, like and and you know even even then like a benevolent god probably doesn't care about things like this this is pretty arbitrary mm. right like God doesn't actually care that much about whether you eat pigs or not, probably. Um, sorry, sorry if I'm offending people. Yeah, I mean, there are other animals in other religions, interestingly, like you look yeah. at sort of cows and Hinduism. And exactly. Stuff cows like that, right? like, it, it, sorry, I didn't mean to pick on pigs. I, yeah, shellfish in, in Judaism, cows yeah. in uh, thingy. And, and, uh, and so there's any animal with cloven hooves and, in, yes. the, uh, in the Torah. <laughs> so that, <laughs> that, you, that you have to, that you, you can eat or can't eat? Can't, I think. Um, so it, it's a funny list. Horses? I think I can't remember. Rock badgers are definitely included. I just oh, remember okay. when, I, when I read but that. Also bit, shellfish. Crack me up. They, they are only allowed to eat fish that have scales and fins. Wow, um, random. But I mean, like, to be fair, one of the counterexamples, the more secular society gets, like, the more we kind of forget about those rules and then, like, you know, then they don't really hold. So, mm. for example, there's lots of times that Christians are supposed to fast and we just don't, mm -hmm. like, culturally. Like, it's very, like, say, for example, Greece, where it's a bit more religious, some people do, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, it's ask people in the UK, people barely know when you would be supposed to fast, mm. right? Ask people in the US, people, like, the most, there are fervently religious people in the US who know nothing about fasting, but yeah. you're supposed to fast before Easter. Anyway, let's talk about the new atheists. So we kind of have a couple of times. We have, we'll, we've mentioned them, and let's, let's, let's give them their sort of proper label and title. They're called the Four Horsemen, which is a reference to the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, the end yep. of the Bible. The new atheists, they're made up of Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Daniel Dennett, and Sam Harris. Okay. And they write from a scientific perspective, arguing that religion in whatever form should not be tolerated. So they're, they're quite strict atheists. Yep. They're like really trying to take religion mm. down. God did punish Christopher Hitchens, though. <laughs> he died oh right yeah. <laughs> no it was it was it was a lot of smoking and drinking that killed him and now he, he had to, like i think he had throat cancer now he gets to do all that in hell um <laughs> oh god <laughs> i feel terrible touch wood we don't mean that sorry i respect your work a lot <laughs> yeah no i i 
think all those four guys are great writers, which probably reveals my sort of I don't know bias, much but... about Daniel Dennett. Sam Harris isn't he the psychedelics guy as well. Mm, mm. Yeah. Dennett, I actually haven't read too much of his stuff. I've just seen write-ups of his articles. See, we've seen Dawkins around Oxford, just wondering about. I literally, yeah, ran past him once. They're deeply critical of religion. They'd probably not like Alan de Bottom. So check to find out. But I think, namely, they are basically like, there's no good that can come out of religion. Yeah. Also, they are the kind of intellectual types who probably like even if you could convince them that religion doesn't that good, they'd probably argue like, well, it's wrong, so it doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> and like, even if it doesn't that good now, it might not forever, which actually kind of speaks to my argument. Like some people set it up thousands of years ago, and now we're starting to be like, oh, okay, now people are using it as an excuse to fly planes into buildings. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so this, yeah, it's probably a good time to look at some real historical examples, given these are a lot of the reasons put forward by, for example, Dawkins uh, as to why they have such a vendetta against religion. So let's start with bad examples first, although we will talk about good examples of religion in due course. I think most people can think of several off the top of their head of examples of people performing a bad action and then being like, it's in the name of religion. I mean, the first thing I think of is is the Crusades, but we've got we've got lots of different examples here. There's something to be said for the argument that people who are willing to commit these acts aren't acting in a way that a truly religious person wouldn't. I mean, that's the defense. That's certainly the defense a religious person would give. And this is something we'll discuss in the third episode. It's like, well, if that's your argument, what derives the morality of religion, right? Where does ethical authority come from? Exactly. Because if the way that you can interpret whether someone is truly following or not is some way other than the actual scripture, Mm -hmm. then you must, like, what are you appealing to? Mm. You can make an argument. It's like, no, I'm just understanding the scripture correctly. But then, you know, how, how do we determine what the correct way is unless we give someone that authority mm. and they're leaning on some sort of maybe it's reason that they're arguing between different ways of understanding the scripture right let's look at some bad examples one that's really famous uh, and can be argued to be indicative of religion being bad is the actions of the westboro baptist church mm. who frankly hate everyone who isn't them and uh, they're very public proponents of pretty much every form of hate speech that's available to them. yeah based on my uh, experience of dating apps i'm fairly <laughs> sure everyone has seen uh, Louis Theroux's interviews with these people because apparently everyone wants them at their dinner. Uh, dream <laughs> dinner guest, Louis Theroux, always. Um, him and David Attenborough. I think David Attenborough is a shit dinner guest. He's like 80, he'd fall asleep. He's 90 something now. 90, he'd fall asleep. <laughs> also, those those old zoological guys used to eat weird animals. You'd be like, oh, you're just having pig? What the hell? <laughs> um, fair enough. Anyway, uh, they have though the, the Westboro Baptist Church famously been denounced by a wide range of mainstream Christian denominations and reviewed as a hate group rather than a religious one. I mean, another good example from a UK perspective is you get these like US mega pastors mm. who are rich as hell because they beg for donations and they're like, it's in the name of God. And like from, you know, from an outside perspective, even to religious UK people, that's like, well, they're obviously scam artists. Yeah. Right? So that's another good example. Oh my God. There's a really funny comedian in there and his name's escaping me, but he, um, he's American. He does that. He does that thing where he's like, he talks about God and he's saying, he's like, there's this guy in the sky who loves you and he wants you to be happy and he wants you to do really good things. Now give me money. <laughs> but he always needs money. <laughs> and if you displease him, you'll burn in hell forever. <laughs> yeah. But he loves you. <laughs> sounds, sounds great. Actually, in fairness, I think this isn't quite the same argument because they don't use the parameters. They're not yeah. misunderstanding the parameters of, of religiosity. They're taking advantage of people being religious. Yeah, no, it was actually just the money thing that reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry. No, no, no. I don't mean yours. I mean my example of oh, these mega pastors. Right. Actually, they're not... I mean, maybe there's some understanding of like, they are genuinely thinking that's how religion is played out. I think more likely mm. than not, they're conscious scam artists. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, we keep getting little tangents yes. here. There are plenty of interesting questions that groups like the Westboro Baptist Church raise. Namely, is what they believe really grounded in religion or is it something else under the guise of religion you're saying is a, a same, same scam, with these right? mega pastors? Yep. 
Uh, without getting too theological, they say that their theology is based on John Calvin's predestination, meaning that all things are predetermined by the will of God, and therefore only the elect who believe in Christ are able to reach salvation. Moreover, the atonement of Christ is only available to the elect, which means mm-hmm. that only some people who believe in Christ and his atonement are able to be saved. Implicitly, this might justify to them why it is that their hate is justified, because them, from their point of view, it is only them that are able to benefit from the salvation from sins, and therefore all these groups that they hate don't benefit from this, and thus are, quote-unquote, sinners. Love the intellectual. I mean, but wait, isn't, isn't that basically all religious evangelists' arguments? Like, yeah, just stronger in tone, yeah. I think. Reminds me, one thing I really dislike is the patronizing nature of religion. Where like, it's kind of like, oh, you don't believe. Okay. And, you know, you're, you're okay saying like, I'm smarter than you. You're going to burn in hell. I know. And it's like, shut up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard line to walk, isn't it? Because if you genuinely believe people are going to burn in hell, you can sort of understand why people are you should so be trying to, evangelical, right? Yeah. And then the result is that you, the, only, the only people who are willing to spend time with you are other people who believe. Yeah. 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 But then obviously, if you believe people are going to burn in hell and you're really sort of proselytizing, then you become really annoying and then you ultimately alienate. Yeah alienate people who doesn't agree with you uh, anyone who doesn't they're not the only example of religious groups being extremely vocal in those matters most notably racist actions of the kkk made the claim as being protestant or christian identity these kind of examples are not the only kind of example of religion being a bad thing perhaps even more pressing than these instances are for example religiously motivated wars and genocides yeah and it's, it's worth saying that though like while religion is often the official reason behind a war Normally, are other reasons at play. The Crusades, yeah. for example, which I mentioned earlier, while holy wars were probably indicative of a wider power struggle that was really happening in Europe, the First Crusade was marketed as a form of religious penance by Pope Urban II, and the goal was argued to be a religious one to recapture Jerusalem from the Muslims. But I mean, yeah. there's so much that's just political, the way, that's strategic just stuff going on. That's just PR. <laughs> it's funny to think of like yeah. PR in the sort of 12th yeah. or And then, centuries. I mean, like, likewise, you can think about like Northern Ireland, or sorry, PR, like mm. garnering support. Yeah, Think yeah. about Northern Ireland, right? War about religion, in a sense. Sorry, I'm not hugely clued up. But I mean, like, I, I feel like there's a huge undertone of Irish independence. Because yeah. a lot of the a lot of the Protestants in Northern Ireland were brought over from Scotland, right? Mm-hmm. Largely to kind of create an argument for retaining mm-hmm. uh, Ireland because, hey, there are Protestants here. It's not just a Catholic country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, war, it's but sort of there's, religiously there's, motivated there's, tribalism, but there becomes so much yeah, more at stake. There's, there's, there's clearly other tensions going on. So, so that's, that's the, fair. Yeah, the Greek War of Independence, the continuing conflict between Pakistan and India. There are more wars that might count as religious wars than it would be possible to sort of list in this episode. We could also consider the expulsion and genocide of the Rohingya Muslims from Myanmar, predominantly Buddhist country. Seems on first sight and also from an in-depth study of the treatment of the Rohingya Muslims by the government of Myanmar to be religiously motivated. Although this is not the only motivation, it could also be considered kind of ethno-religious mm. conflict. And I mean, it's, it's, it's not religious at all, but I suppose the parallel, or to make the point, I mean, the war against Iraq, the second war, which was all about weapons of mass destruction, I mean, yep. there's a sort of the point there is like there's a primary given reason but really like yeah. there was so much else at stake yeah. around oil and sort yeah. of counter-terrorism and even even i think a lot of you know 9-11 right mm-hmm. i was like well that's clearly just religious and it's like well actually a lot of resentment between extremist muslim groups and the west and the reason that they were able to indoctrinate people and encourage them to do this stuff is at like at surface level religious but at deeper level more than religion like it, yeah. it's it's more to do with for example western imperialism across north africa and middle east i mean like certainly people like Gaddafi, mm. like politically thrived and, and built a lot of popularity off opposition to other political leaders who were effectively western stooges exactly yeah. you couldn't pick a more symbolic thing than like taking down the trade center as a sort of attack on like capitalist capitalism. values and, and yeah like and, and so. western imperialism obviously still religiously motivated and mm-hmm. very hard to convince people to become martyrs without something like that but yeah. the point is that there are undertones there. But yeah, the, the overarching point is even when that's a use of religion, that's a use of religion that many religious people would argue 
is a misunderstanding of religion. Yeah, so, you so can it's, say the defense that religion yeah. is just one yeah. facet. But then remember, our argument is high level. Is religion as a concept or a political construct or a societal construct a good or bad thing? You know, we don't care whether it's a quote unquote correct understanding of religion. We're just looking at the net That's outcomes true. of religion existing. That's true. Um, the fact that it can be used in this way mm-hmm. to excuse or, or justify things yeah. is certainly an argument against it. And it's funny because we were saying earlier, like so many religious beliefs, part of the problem with like a true understanding of religion is that a lot of religious texts and stuff are largely contradictory. Mm. Like almost all of them espouse nonviolence and yet, you know, almost all of them are used to justify violence. Yeah. And even Buddhism in the case of the Myanmar expulsion of Muslims. Yeah, which is which is amazing really, because Buddhism often seems to be on the face of it a relatively peaceful uh, yep. religion. Yep. Basically it's this problem of like we mentioned earlier, if you're cherry picking which parts of scripture are right, are you appealing to some other authority? Because Clearly, you're not taking the scripture to be... I mean, it's, it's impossible to take the scripture as um, There are too many contradictions. Because there's too many contradictions. You've got the principle of love thy neighbor, and you've also got the principle of an eye for an eye in the same yeah. book. And likewise, as we mentioned, you must not lie with a man as, as with a woman. That is an abomination. Leviticus 18.22. Yeah. And moreover, in, in Matthew 15.21, Jesus and his disciples seem to be racist to the Canaanite woman. Uh, seeming to support the actions of the KKK. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Christian example you've just given about homophobia is really famous, and it's certainly something that clashes with modern liberal ideas, and, and the church is like still struggling to yep. find a sort of solid footing on that, because yep. it's just such a sort of popularized example. Yep. And now, I mean, let's flip it around, good examples. Mm-hmm. I think you, you kind of threw it offhand, but, you know, a lot of art, architecture, mm. piecework, etc., motivated religiously. Some, some of that will have a moral quality as well. Yep. Yeah, you can think about the movie Hacksaw Ridge, which is based on a true story. You know, a non-violent religious military man who saved many lives, didn't arm himself, was only going in and saving people. Uh, some missionaries, aside from the extent to which they were kind of colonialist to some extent and, and spreading Western culture, also did great work. You, you think about Mother, Mother Teresa in India. Yep. Uh, an interesting side note, according to the book, for Good, For God by Will, uh, Will Gervais. According to six experiments, it was revealed that good deeds are perceived as less good if they're performed for religious reasons, considered selfish, compared to if they are performed for some other reason. This is coming back to what we yeah, were talking about Yeah, we said this Because really, if, you know, if you're doing it to get into heaven, you're serving yourself. I'm just a tool to that. And it's actually the, the Kantian point where you're not respecting me as an individual mm. with my own needs and, and wants. Another positive example, response to Poland's creation of LGBT free zones. Chief rabbi in Poland condemned this move as against halacha, the body of religious law derived from the Torah. Is that positive? Well, that sounds they, like it's... That's, no, no, no. They, they condemned it. They said it's a bad thing. So rabbi, basically a rabbi opposed the anti-LGBT laws. But I don't know whether that's fair to say that's a religious oh, thing or whether he, that was a political thing on his part and he chose to use religion to justify it, right? Yeah, so people, uh, yeah, that's good. I mean, that yeah. seems to be people basically condemning homophobia yep. across Poland. Huge number of charities, religious motivated, funded by, you know, churches, etc. Yeah, you've got the Salvation Army, which is both a charity and a branch of the Protestant Christian Church. Yep. Lots of Muslim aid. So there's, there's lots of examples there. I mean, look, we've got a third part to record. <laughs> to it not necessarily when it's released but quick summary i feel like i kind of gave my thoughts high level through the course of it to me religion feels like a political tool that was constructed two or three thousand years ago because it was easier than getting people to do the right thing it was just the easiest way to get people to to Mm. do stuff and we're now kind of reaching it's kind of like the american constitution Mm -hmm. like people made it as a way of kind of governing things but really i feel like the people who made it would have liked us to kind of update update it it over time time. (laughs) yeah yeah um and some people refuse to and now take it a bit too literally and there's parts of it that are retrograde that people are holding on to too strongly yeah i mean we said we'd talk about like the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law and i think that seems to be a big theme here right i think religion clearly has like 
problems sort of laid down in history or problematic values that people seem to be strangely reluctant to update. And I think were it to be sort of, yeah, were, were it to be a little bit more flexible, you'd probably end up with fewer problems. Mm. My opinion, mm. though, I, I think I sort of feel more sort of Dawkinsy about it. And that's for two reasons. I don't really like religion. I don't think it's been generally positive because even though it's sort of permitted people to live comfortable lives and even though the vast majority of religious people i've met have been absolutely fine people and i, I you know i've not had a problem i just feel morally it's far weaker to behave on the basis of like i'm doing this good thing because i want to go to heaven and i don't want to go to hell yeah versus it's i recognize you're a human i'm a human and yeah. you know we, we want to live good lives and yeah i'm going to respect you and behave in that way because it's so, just a good thing to do and so you're coming back to the argument where like whilst it might be easier to set a bunch of laws for people mm -hmm. ultimately especially if the body of laws evolves very slowly mm. it's going to fall out of step with what's actually right yeah and people will find loopholes or like laws you didn't think about enough yeah and so even though it's harder you'd rather just teach people to be high integrity good people yeah. rather than people who follow the rules yeah in interestingly I'm, I'm excited because we're going to talk about this in the next episode yeah. but it's just about like how you evolve a value system mm. that doesn't and, just and, sort of fall back on like god said so exactly exactly or like is that even morally mm. authoritative and i think interesting another one that this is relevant to following rules and stuff i think another great example is i know a lot of people who are i'm a capitalist i run a company i, I believe in social redistribution and i don't think that capitalism is perfect as it exists but and I don't think that laws are perfect. The point I'm making is I know a lot of people who basically, as long as it's not against the law, think that doing anything is fine, mm. right? Like there's plenty of people who are like, oh, making lots of money running a gambling company. It's not illegal. Yeah. And it's like, no, that doesn't mean that it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like, you know, for a number of reasons, like, okay, maybe banning it doesn't work because then people just do it behind closed doors. But like, you know, gambling is not fundamentally, a, a, that's one example. There's other examples, you know, lots of people are like, oh, if you do this and this and this and you reduce your tax bill, it's like, well, yes, that's legal, but you're just mm. taking advantage of the fact that the laws aren't perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so there's another analogy where that's the case. Taxes are such a funny one because ultimately it would make sense to live in a society where we're actually like willingly paying our taxes for like, hey, this stuff goes back towards good things. I think yeah. the fact that people don't feel like that speaks more to sort of flaws of government and, and, but, and bureaucracy yeah, and stuff. I mean, then but... again, think about like the British government and then think about how happy you are to pay taxes. It's been, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's <laughs> like, and I get the whole like democracy. I hear Boris respecting... some great parties. So. I know, exactly. <laughs> like they're, they're low integrity people and like in reality, at least for me, like a party that I have, uh, like I get the whole like, you, you know, accept part of democracy is that you don't win every time. Mm -hmm. But literally the entirety of my voting life, the ruling party has been a party I didn't want mm, mm. so i'm starting to be like screw you guys <laughs> <laughs> okay so, yeah sorry concluding quickly big reason i feel this way about religion uh, the reason i think it's not beneficial net negative is partly because i think that the moral sort of basis is flawed the other reason though and i mean we didn't talk about for example mm. like all the uh sort of pedophilia in the catholic church oh, stuff like God, that yeah but I, I think that's not like a I'm religious not saying thing that's being taught but, it, it, but the it's, fact that they hide it up for example yeah it's it a byproduct of religious power system. right exactly yeah. and, and and quite probably a byproduct of the fact that like so uh, power that's is, not yeah. power that's not checked and, and basically they say we are the authority the moral authority yeah. so we decide to find what's right and they can kind of hide things and there's yeah. not enough checks and balances i think whether or not it's like religion is a sort of cover or, or the genuine justification i think so many so many bad things have been done in religions in the name of religion and yeah other things have been done in, in sort of positive things but i don't yeah. know oh, for me it balances out negatively but how many of them would have happened anyway as we were saying earlier right mm. yeah um yeah they what, just would have had a different justification. But maybe there would have been less incentive and maybe it would have been more difficult to trick the average person into buying into that. 
concept. Yeah, you're basically taking something that people vest a lot of respect in and just saying, because of this thing, this is fine. And then you're yeah. like, oh, okay, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a tool of suppression. We should wrap up. All right, uh, guys. Thank you. That was part two. Yep. Uh, like, review on Spotify or Apple. Share. Feel free to message us, Facebook. You can also email us, anthony at stasher.com, jacob at stasher.com. Yeah, please do. We'd love to hear from you. And if you disagree with anything, we'd especially like to hear from you because those mm. are always more fun discussions. Those are more fun, yeah. Thanks, guys.